From the American Academy of Dermatology, welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Ben Stoff, Editor-in-Chief. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Dr. Jules Lipoff. I'm an adjunct associate professor at the Department of Dermatology at the Temple University School of Medicine. Today, I have an esteemed guest, Dr. Esther Del Duca. She is a postdoctoral MD-PhD fellow in Dr. Emma Gutman's lab in the Department of Dermatology at Mount Sinai School of Medicine. And she is here today to talk about her recent publication representing all of her co-authors, recently published in the May 2023 JAD called Proteomic Characterization of Atopic Dermatitis Blood from Infancy to Adulthood. Welcome, Dr. Del Duca. Hi, thank you for having me here. So this paper was just recently published in the JAD. So I just read the title, but can you give us an explanation, a simple explanation? What did the study do? Yeah, sure. Our study basically is a proteomic study. So we took some serum, the serum from the patient, actually from more than 100 patients, so pediatric patient and healthy age match controls, and we looked at some proteins in the blood. So basically, we were able to study through a very broad proteomic panel, more than 300 proteins, and through that to study the profile of atopic dermatitis and how this profile changes from infancy to adulthood. And how are these specific proteins chosen as the ones to study? Basically, we know that atopic dermatitis is now considered to be a systemic disease. So while in the past it was only considered to be confined to the skin, now we know that it can involve also the cardiovascular system from the very young age, and moreover, also the general inflammation. So that's why we picked through this proteomic platform, Olink, it's called Olink, that is based in Sweden, the one we used, we picked four platforms that looked at cardiovascular panels, so cardiovascular-related proteins, and also the neurology panels. The neurology panels are all neurological-related proteins, especially related to growth of neuron, neurosensory markers, that are, we believed, actually very important during maturation of uh, the systemic maturation in children. As a matter of fact, I'll show you briefly then the results of our study in where we saw many different differences in these proteins, both the cardiovascular one, but also the neurology-related proteins. And of course, but this was a little bit expected, the inflammatory proteins that were for sure upregulated in AD patient compared to the healthy controls. If you want, I can walk you through a little bit through our results briefly to you. Sure. Why don't you explain them, keeping in mind that most of our audience aren't basic scientists. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Perfect. So as I was saying, we looked at different panels of proteins. And what we saw from the very beginning is that the main signature of atopic dermatitis, so I mean the TH2 signature, so T helper 2 signature was consistent throughout all the ages. So from infant to children, adolescents and adults, of course, we have a very strong TH2 responses. We noticed also some differences, though, that were consistent with what was already proven in skin. So that while the TH2 was increasing, you know, consistent and increasing during the, you know, the maturation of human beings, the TH1 markers that are markers of chronicity only appeared later in age. So 
in infants, so with history of disease from zero to six months or to one in to one year of disease, they didn't show any Th1 skewing. One interesting thing that we noticed is that the protein related to innate immunity was presented from very early stage of the disease. Proteins such as, for example, MMP12, CD400 uh, ligand was already there in patients with six or less months of disease. And this was is very interesting because it shows that the systemic inflammation in patients with atopic dermatitis is there from the very, very beginning. We noticed also something else I was suggesting and mentioning before. Actually, we also looked at the neurology panel through the Olink platform, and we saw a significant upregulation of factors that were associated with neural development. And these neural development associated proteins were only upregulated in the infant. Why is, for example, draxin, I don't know, that is a dorsal inhibitory axon guidance protein, or other neurotrophic factors such as the neurotrophic factor receptor alpha, the G. FRA3. Those are very important because it means that maybe and only maybe there can be actually stronger, let's say, a more upregulated neurosensory system in children with AD compared to their controls. And why is this result that, of course, is very basic science-based, let's say, uh, why is this very important? Because basically it can explain somehow, maybe with further studies in the future, it can explain why patients with AD are actually more sensitive and have a different, let's say, development of the neurological system. And this can be explained in different ways. For example, we know that Patient, young patients with atopic dermatitis have an higher prevalence of disease such as uh, in the autism spectrum of, or also a ADHD. And this maybe can explain, for example, why, of course, more studies are needed on that. Well, thank you for that really in-depth explanation. Can you explain like, more specifically of those findings that you are pointing out, what is the most salient for informing medication development? What are the implications translationally? So there are several implications to this. The main one is that we cannot underestimate atopic dermatitis. And we show that actually atopic dermatitis is already a systemic disease from the very early stage. And from the beginning, basically, we do have inflammation and involvement of uh, inflammatory markers in blood. And also that this can impact several body districts and departments, for example, the neurological one, as we showed in children, and also as we showed in the final part of our publication, also the cardiovascular system is involved with a higher level of cardiovascular risk protein upregulated in adults compared to the other study population. Thank you. So I'm curious, this technique for developing, I mean, this proteomic characterization that you did for atopic dermatitis in this study. Has that been done for other diseases? And what have we learned about other diseases from this sort of uh, analysis? Yes, of course. This is a very well consolidated technique, I would say. It is used to study many diseases, not only dermatological, but also other types of disease. 
And what is interesting in this case is that we are proposing a paradigm shift from a disease that was considered confined to the skin. And now we are taking it to the very next level. So it's you can see that is a completely different thing considering a disease confined to one district, for example, to skin or considering it as a whole systemic impairing condition. And it was done, for example, in the past for psoriasis, which is another very important um, chronic inflammatory skin diseases, but it was done uh, actually for the majority of the disease that are considered to involve, uh, to have a systemic involvement. I am thinking about not only about dermatologists, but in general, proteomic is a very well established technique to study every type of disease that can have an impact on a human body. So you're saying one of the most important things that this study shows is how systemic a disease, atopic dermatitis is, not merely the skin, but perhaps also just helping refine our understanding of the immune paradigm. You know, when I was a resident, we really focused on Th1 versus Th2, with atopic dermatitis really being characterized by activation of Th2 cytokines. But this is helping us understand things in a more complex way. Yeah, absolutely. So it is well established that the um, uh, atopic dermatitis is a Th2 disease, but let's say is not considered a single disease anymore. Now, atopic dermatitis is a sort of spectrum in where we can find, according to the different population or even ethnicity or, let's say, timing of onset, we can find specific characteristics. And you may say, why is that so important? Actually, you know, it's a TH2, let's cure the TH2. No, there is not actually a magic bullet for all the, this, this type of uh, nuanced disease, but actually we are trying to do a tailored medicine because, for example, as we showed in infants, there are not TH1, while in the adult is more prevalent a TH1 component with chronicity. And this can, for example, adjust the treatment in this type of population and maybe do more tailored and targeted treatment for one population compared to the other. So yeah, in, in the conclusion of your study, you suggest that uh, a precision medicine-based approach based on age-specific atopic dermatitis profiles would be a next potential step. What would that look like? Maybe it's too early, but you're suggesting that based on age and other specific factors, you could tailor more specifically? Yes, we definitely are trying to create a precision medicine to target and to tackle atopic dermatitis. And specifically, what we explain in the paper is that different type of endotypes, different type of atopic dermatitis can be treated with different treatment that tackle different axes and different markers. Again, for example, the TH1 is mainly upregulated in the adult population, while, for example, TH17 is mainly expressed in the very young population, such as infant, and then only with a second peak later in life. So, for example, I wouldn't consider a TH treatment in uh, adolescents and young children. So that's what we are trying to do, exactly trying to photograph somehow what the endotype of atopic dermatitis is, according to different, for example, variables, such as age, ethnicity, etc., and then try to find a specific target for that specific niche. Okay. So you're saying that, for instance, in some of these elder patients with atopic dermatitis, there's 
some more TH1 signals as well. So help me understand if I'm understanding this right. So when, if we use, say, dupilumab, which addresses more TH2 with inhibiting IL-4 and 13, you're saying that maybe in this population with more TH1 activation, you might add additional therapy or target that a little differently. Yes, exactly. So let's keep in mind, again, that the main signature in atopic dermatitis still remain the TH2 slash TH22, so TL per 2 and TL per 22. Keeping that in mind, we need to answer to the question, why do some patients answer better compared to others? Why do we have non-responders, right? And that's what we are trying to characterize, for example, studying subpopulation and studies other phenotypes and endotypes of atopic dermatitis. And for example, in case of adult, it might be also there, there is a TH1 component that cannot be directly treated by target therapy such as dupilumab. Great. Well, it's obviously very complicated, and I think we're all grateful for researchers such as yourself who are trying to tease this out and hopefully inform the therapeutic pipeline. Can you speak a little bit to how the basic science of the last couple of decades has led to therapies like dupilumab and maybe even the JAK inhibitors? Yeah, that's actually... Very exciting to try to sum up these last 10 years that for a dermatology, they've been a blessing, I would say, in terms of research. There are there many steps have been done, and we started actually modeling psoriasis and modeling other inflammatory skin diseases that were actually TH1-based or keratinocyte-based and focused on the keratinocytes. And then we try to move from that first point and explore all the core of atopic dermatitis and then all these nuances of the disease. So the first discovery was that uh, the atopic dermatitis was not related to T helper type 1, but they were related to T helper type 2. And then actually the, the keratinocytes were still very involved, but in a different way from psoriasis. And then basically the nuances of the inflammatory axes that are involved in atopic dermatitis expanded. And the next, the following discovering was about the TH22 axis that is very, very important in the lichenification component of atopic dermatitis. And of course, with mistries and mistakes, as they say, the science improved a lot and a new axis was implemented in the pathogenesis, in the pathogenetic history of atopic dermatitis, which is one of the main components that was for a very long time underestimated in atopic dermatitis, which is the pruritus. Another milestone in the story, in the history of atopic dermatitis was the, the discovery of uh, interleukin IL-31, which is considered the, a cytokine of each. And uh, new target therapy was tried to tackle the itch, which was a main problem for patients with atopic dermatitis that really reduced the quality of life. And so new treatments expanded on this Part, like targeting IL-31, and then, as I said, IL-22 and IL-4 and IL-13, which are the main TH2 axis. And then the story continued a little bit because now, the ne- what is the next step? So now we are not only content to block and to, let's say, to treat the atopic dermatitis. The next step is to cure atopic dermatitis. 
And, uh, you know, it's only a word, but it makes a big difference. And uh, the new axes, for, such as, for example, OX40 and OX40 ligand, are thought to have a role in uh, uh, modifying somehow the resident T cells, so the regulatory T cells in the skin. So, and in this way, maybe modeling the uh, memory response of atopic dermatitis, and so maybe cure finally the disease instead of only treating it. That's the next step, and that's where the future is pointing to. That seems like quite a vision. So thank you for painting that picture for us. You know, I don't imagine that precision medicine and certainly not a cure of atopic dermatitis is going to be here tomorrow. But how soon do you think we could see the, the real impact of this kind of work to atopic dermatitis patients? That's a good question. I would like to say like in the very next few years, but it's going to take quite a little bit of time, especially because, you know, we get very easily excited in science, of course, when we see new promising results, but only time in clinical trial will finally corroborate the validity of the results that we see, that we might see in phase two or phase one clinical trial. So actually the axis, for example, X40 and X40 ligand is currently studied right now, but then to know if is this if the results that we see are consistent, we we'll really need to wait at least uh, another couple of you know um, good five or six years. We'll all be waiting with great anticipation. I really appreciate your time today. I want to start wrapping this up and thank you for your time. I was hoping if you could sum up and tell our listeners what do you think the most important take-home messages you'd like them to get from this conversation and from your study. Absolutely. I have actually three main points I would like to say. So never forget that atopic dermatitis uh, is a TH2 disease, but with age-specific upregulation that characterizes each type of age and also ethnicity, each type of subpopulation, that there is a neural development-related proteins that are increased in infants and they continue to be upregulated also in adults, that we have circulating proteins that are related to cardiovascular risk that makes atopic dermatitis an important systemic inflammatory disease, not only related to skin, and then that we need always to listen to our patient and treat them as soon as we see them in order to stop the atopic march and also the development of more serious condition in our patient. Well, thank you. I think those are three great points to end on. So on behalf of Dialogues and Dermatology, I want to thank Dr. Esther Del Duca from Mount Sinai for speaking about her and her co-author's study. Look out everyone in May 2023 JAD issue. Uh, you can find it online, Proteomic Characterization of Atopic Dermatitis Blood from Infancy to Adulthood. My name again is Dr. Jules Lipoff. It's been a pleasure and I hope you all have a great day. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. For more dialogues, subscribe to us through the website of the American Academy of Dermatology then link your subscription through your favorite podcast app. Remember, the subscription is free for residents. New podcasts are released each week in addition to free special bonus episodes. You can also listen to dialogues online through the AAD website. Thanks again for listening.